welcome back to Last Night Recap, the serious but not show that takes the EMEA and Americas Apple chat and recaps it for you in about an hour. I'm your host, Martin Coots, and it's no surprise to know that I'm joined by my guests and fellow co-hosts as always, Mr. Matthew Pullen. Hey, Matt. Good evening, Martin. Good evening, everybody. How are we? Yeah, good, good. It's uh, the start of half term here, so um, some schools in Scotland have one week, some schools in Scotland have two. Wherever that is, you just take your pick, but we're on a two-week holiday <laughs> just now. Very nice. <laughs> nice. I feel like I've only just started back in work and you're on a holiday already. Yeah, yeah. Scottish schools went back in the middle of August, so it's it's weird. It's it's not too crazy for us. It's kind of, we are, we are almost on a par with our American colleagues um, yeah. with their start back. I'm not sure what it's like in uh, Sweden, but I know there's ice cream. Hey, Johan. Oh, definitely ice cream. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, How's the weather? Oh god, I'm actually biking to to work and uh, to and from work, and uh, I'm looking at ten days of rain. So I'm very happy. Your skin's going to get wet because don't you cycle in the nude? Of course I yeah. do. Um... Have you got a towel <laughs> in your bag? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm That's just checking <laughs> I'd hate for you to sit down at work and make your chair wet it's very cloudy no, it's cloudy it's it and uh, last but certainly not least it's Mr. Kurt Klein and hey Kurt hey guys how's it going good good how's things with you it's been wonderful it's actually uh, if you're talking weather it's hot out here where I am at the moment <laughs> You had a, um, listeners of the show last week might notice that you were notably absent from the end of the show. That's because you were you off to a, a was it an Eagles run. game? It wasn't an Eagles game. It was a um, it was a fundraiser um, for the Jenkins Foundation. Um, it was a it was a player at the Eagles um, at the Eagles game. Uh, sorry, at the Eagles team. So um, it was a benefit. Here, he does here. a lot of uh, educational stuff. Nice. Um, within this foundation, like they do um, STEAM uh, camps for uh, underprivileged kids in uh, Northwest Philly. And um, yeah, we were, we were part of that, got an invitation to, to go and see what was happening over there. So um, that was um, was quite the thing to go to. Um, I was I was surprised. I think Johan would have been something for you because the, oh, yeah, the Super definitely. Bowl was there and um, all the players were there. So, yeah. I was a little overwhelmed. I had my Sounds cheat like... sheet ready because um, I'm not, a, not as big as a friend. Just, uh, yeah. I was just trying to figure out who's who because um, they're all um, really tall, muscular uh, guys. Um, so is that a linebacker or a quarterback? Um, people listening um, will probably be like, oh, no, I should have gone. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, hey. it was really, really nice. Good, good. So last week you were in Philly. The mm-hmm. the way we always start the show is with the hashtag Where's Kurt. So um, Matt, I think you went first last week, so I'm going to open it to Johan this time. Um, I'm going to make it a little bit different. Um, I'm good to make this a little bit um, easier for us because let's face it, we just kind of blurt out places and hope that it's right. I'm going to give each of you three <laughs> questions this week to ask Ooh, Kurt. Yeah. And Kurt, you can only answer with a yes or no response. Okay. Okay. So yes. Johan. You're going first. Three <laughs> questions. Um, Kurt, oh, yes or no responses. Three questions. Um, so are you uh, close to the sea? Yes. Uh, is it the Atlantic Sea? Yes. That's an ocean, but 
we won't go with that one. <laughs> uh, for the Swedish, it's all C's. <laughs> Martin, yeah. should we do some Swedish words? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So picking on my English, mate. Right. <laughs> okay, you can't even speak English. So. Technically, C anyway. is ocean in German, no? No, that's, uh, that's lake. No, that's so lake, no, yeah. I can't help you there, Johan. No, sea is uh, yeah, it's a it's a bigger mass mm. of water. Um, is this a half island? No. Okay. okay, Johan, you've had your three questions. You can now think about where he might be. Matt, over to you. Uh, are you in the south of the United States? No. Oh. Are you I love in that. the That's north my... of the United States? I am north. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so I've got, oh. got it nailed down. Matt's on a roll. Atlantic Ocean. Wasted a question. Are your other two no, questions about north. east and west? Yes. <laughs> no, because we've already. Said oh my it. god! I've already you've already said you're on the Atlantic coast. So I've already. Got that one. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that would be brilliant. Yes, Are you on the West Coast? <laughs> um, uh, I'm out of questions. I'm struggling now. Um, uh, uh, you said it was warm as well. Um, uh, are you are you within fifty miles of the sea? Um, yeah. that, that could be. I'm. Uh, Come on. This is compelling podcasting. Yeah. Oh, my God. Won't you just guess the city? Charlotte. (laughs) No, I'm not in Charlotte. Okay. So, not in Charlotte. Matt, have you got a guess? Uh, Are you in Philadelphia? I am in Philadelphia. Yes. (laughs) Oh, come on. knew it. He's so drawn out. (laughs) I think next week you try to do it as the Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, I think next week what I'm going to do is I'm going to have like a game show. I'm going to get a game show intro made. So if you want would, a jingle? Yeah, if you could do a jingle, man. A jingle would, would be, be great. Awesome. Yeah, I would do a so, lightning lightning round. Then we'll do a lightning round, okay? And we'll get we'll we'll get like a, a proper uh, judge in. We'll get one of my children up to to judge whether that's right or wrong, um, <laughs> and we'll take it from there. But now that we have finally found out where you are, Kurt, great. why don't you let everybody know what's coming up on tonight's show? Well, tonight's show on the EMEA side was all about coding in the classroom, and Martin. Miriam Walsh was hosting that one with you, I believe. Yeah, um, it was mostly Miriam. I was in the car, um, so uh, I couldn't really. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. It's uh, ADE carpool karaoke then, or yeah. Twitter chat uh-huh. karaoke. Um, you were singing, and Miriam was hosting, um, which leads me to the Americas chat, where it was about music creation in the classroom, and that was hosted by Mary Kemper and Erica Moser, who are both involved in the ninety days. Um, of GarageBand, um, which I would like to call out as one of the hashtags. So hashtag 90 days of GarageBand. Um, check both ladies out and also Owen Hughes. Um, Mar- uh, I think Mary's almost at the end of it. Um, Owen's a little bit behind. He's over half and um, Erica's catching up. And then in Europe, it's the hashtag EU Code Week that's going on. And more about that um, as we look at what is going to come to the EMEA chat for this week? Yeah, um, and cool. I think, uh, Matt, if you want to give us a quick wee, wee, um, sort of 
Do you want to give us a, a brief uh, glimpse into your jingle or what's coming up with your question this week? Or Once these guys have stopped talking for the next half an hour, it will be time for the jingle. That's all you need to know as a listener. Brilliant. The bit that you, the bit that you tune in for after all the talk. Great. The jingle will um, happen. Guys, I can already <laughs> tell this is going to be a funny episode this week. So why don't we, why don't we get cracking with the Amir recap? We'll be right back after this. It's that time of the show where we are going to recap the EMEA side of Apple EDU chat. As Kurt just told you, this week's chat was hosted by myself and Miriam Walsh. Well, it was mostly hosted by Miriam. I was travelling back from training, so I was in the car. Just thank goodness you're able to schedule tweets. Um, it was uh, to tie in with um, EU Code Week in, uh, in and around Europe just now. It's actually the first of two chats that we are going to be um, recapping that are focused on um, EU Code. And um, more about that coming up later. But this week, um, we're going to start with the Tweet of the Week, which actually came from Miriam. It was in response to one of the questions, um, which is what skills other than coding can be developed? And her uh, answer, uh, she's got an image with this as well, that says computational thinking, coding, critical thinking, creativity and decision making. All skills that benefit them in life, even if they don't go on to work with code. And she also put up a, a image that's a quote from uh, Maria Claw, which says, "Coding is today's language of creativity. All our children deserve a chance to become creators instead of consumers of computer science." And I think that just kind of fits in with stuff that we've always spoken about. We're always saying that. The aim that we are trying to do now is, you know, Kurt, you'd mentioned this before, that to be a good content creator, you have to be a good content consumer. You have to know how mm -hmm. to consume content, how to find content. And I thought that just kind of brings it all together, showing that coding doesn't have to be the separate add-on. Coding and creativity can go um, hand in hand. You can be creative with code. Um, I think we, we see that on a day-to-day -day basis, the way that people use code to create interesting apps or to create games or to create stuff that we use in our, our, our daily lives, coding is a creative art form. Um, it's just not one that is necessarily visual in nature in the way that some art forms are. I just uh, wanted to throw that one out there to you guys, see what you thought. Do you agree that coding is a creative art form, Matt? What do you I, think? I think, it, I think it's hugely creative. And I think, um, see, I was teaching this last Friday to my my students in uni and, and we talked about it from that creative point of view. And, when I introduced them to saying, oh, we're doing coding this week, they instantly just thought of sitting in front of a computer, typing code onto a computer. Yeah. Um, and and obviously, you know that the alternative things that we do, so we did a lot of Sphero stuff, we did app creation, and, and they, they could then for themselves see that it was a creative art form, even though basically we were looking at coding. And exactly as Miriam said, it's all those other things, isn't it? Yeah, the problem solving and the um, you know decision making, critical thinking, or everything about when you just get confronted with coding. I mean, the Sphero stuff we were doing, some of the the creative activities the students were coming up with was was ridiculous. One guy was telling jokes with Sphero, getting it to roll across the table and tell the punchline to someone else. And uh, I wasn't teaching them this; they were just thinking for themselves. And you just see that the creativity when you give someone a, a tool is endless yeah um, and it isn't you know sitting there and, and typing in ones and zeros on a computer which is i think what a lot of people still believe coding to be 
I think there's that. I think that's a good point. There's this stigma around code that code is this niche um, skill. It's this niche niche skill set that people need to have. You know, I'm not a geek. I'm not into code. You don't have to be a geek to be into code. That's where you know. That's where things like Xcode and app development. That's what you can build up to. That's what you can lead to. But I think what we're talking about when we're talking about introducing coding is actually you know, pointing out those key skill sets that pupils are developing, creative uh, approaches to task, critical thinking, logical thinking, um, breaking, a, breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, not looking at it as a whole problem, but rather manageable parts. And I think that's the sometimes the message that gets missed when it comes to introducing coding, um, is that it's, it's not the sitting down and creating the ones and zeros, it's the skill, the communication, the collaboration, all of these necessary skills are going to serve people um, when they leave when they leave school. But the question that I was wanting to ask you guys is we've all kind of dabbled with code in different ways. And I'll, I'll, I'll come around you uh, one at a time. But the question that I want to look at is what m motivated or inspired you to begin teaching code in your classroom? Johan, what about you? You've looked at coding in sort of different ways. What, how did you get started with that? I definitely, it starts with the, just the fundamentals, actually. And if I may, I would say that talent is to decipher the code of what you are doing. So, for example, myself, for I never, ever um, counted a beat in my life. Okay. I just felt the music. I knew how to move to it. Um, I wasn't classically trained, but I deciphered that code in itself. So it's, I would say that R is very much deciphering the code that you have around yourself. And it's mm -hmm. so funny when I look at, uh, you know, like class or higher movies, tricks or, or things like that. When you're suddenly you're a coder, but when you understand the code, in a such bigger, bigger way, um, then it becomes an art, as mm -hmm. you know, Neo, and 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 sees the code in itself, and it's just a talent. So there's something really um, connected between the arts and coding. Yeah, if, really. if you say it like that, is do you understand what I'm? I'm Absolutely, I'm at? and Absolutely. I think there, there are totally several of these movies like. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Hackers is a good one that I always yeah, remember. Hackers where is another one. Johnny yeah. Lee Miller's character, when he was hacking, actually closed his eyes and he saw what he was doing as a series of images. That's how coding appeared to him. Was what's the expected outcome if I tap this or if I type this? I I, I always liked it that way. Um, yeah, but it's the other th other side of coding as well. Um, I just think it's important to code because nowadays it's the language to solve problems yeah and i love that you you know see all these people that really are engaged in a problem that are not solved and they just use calling so the coding to solve it and it's so cool in a way and uh, there are so small apps that help so many lives and i think that's just going to be a bigger thing so that's why i think coding is important uh, and i think you should um you to understand that music is mathematics, you yep. say. Coding is uh, a way of understanding life. 
Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, there's there's a good Pixar phrase that I always remember is the art influences technology, technology inspires the art, and I think to to have an appreciation for how technology and art can actually work together is actually looking at things aesthetically. You know, I'm some people actually spend ages making sure that they are. They're not only their code, you know, it's I think some coders look at tabs versus spaces because it's it's all about the yeah. symmetry and the way it all comes together and the way it, it brings it in. I think some there there are a lot of artistic people who are very good at creating and also very good at coding. The the two definitely go hand in hand. Um speaking of someone who is creative, Kurt, you are someone who has produced a lot of materials on creativity and how creativity can be used in learning. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of influx of apps just now that, that um, teach people how to code and they do so in a, in a visual way. Yeah. Um, so from your point of view, that visual <clears throat> style of coding, does that sort of play into how you approach it? Or oh, yeah, is it, is definitely. It different for you? From, yeah. from my point of view, um, completely because um, I, I am one of those people when it gets to the even basic, basic putting the lines in, um, it still freaks me out a little bit. It's it's like saying here's a blank piece of paper and you need to write an essay on it um, bottom, like a top to bottom. Um, yeah. And, and I'm always looking for the mutual language. And, and I like that Johan mentioned that word language because I, I heard a very good analogy a few weeks ago where um, the, the TI um, was talking to uh, the, the English uh, department and um, she was saying, you have to look at coding as, as teaching um, grammar. Every part okay. has a, a place in the sentence. And if it's in the wrong place, then it, you can't communicate with each other. And I thought that made so much sense because those uh, language teachers then said, oh, yeah, because if in, in English um, one word is before the other, it could mean something completely different. And that might not be the outcome that you wanted. And that's exactly what you do with code. You say if then, um, yeah. then this happens. So trying to find that bridge um, for, for every department so everyone gets that connection, I think that's an essential part because a lot of people – even with the, the ease of, of a Swift Playgrounds and a Learn to Code and, and Hopscotch and um, all the other apps that are out there, um, they build up. At a certain moment, you're going to have to put text in. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, where still a lot of people, you either get it and you continue and then you, you run with it um, or you get scared and you're like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And I need to find someone who understands this language for me because I can draw it out and I can make it happen in a, in a keynote or I can, I can doodle a, a mind map of what I want an app to do. Yeah. Um, but then I have to hand it off because I, I can't explain in the right words that the language is written. So yes. finding that um, with creativity and that bridge between them, I think that's still an essential skill um, where not a lot of programs have hit the uh, hit the hammer on that nail. I think so. I think that's a really good a really good point. Is that some people get mixed up in the syntax? You know, the syntax can be where things are broken down. But mm-hmm. if they're able if they're able to 
you know, for lack of a better term, debug that. If they're able to look at, oh, wait a minute, I missed, if they know that they're missing a certain, you know, a certain comma, you know, yeah. and we all know how important commas and uh, periods and sort of non-alphanumeric characters can be in code. Mm-hmm. I think if they if they can build that skill that allows them to glance at an English essay and see where their issues are, but also look at code and quickly, you know, this, this kind of scan and skim code um, sort of skill that you can build up where you can quickly find fault in anything you look at, I think yeah. that is a really important uh, connection to to have. I really like what 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 you were saying there, Kurt. Matt, if I can just come over to you, you're someone who has, um, by his <laughs> own admission, said that you are not really in the coding space, and yet you're able to work with um, trainee teachers and show them how to deliver. Um, deliver coding lessons or uh, deliver the approach and you touched on this briefly I just want to come back to it in a little bit more detail how do you approach that when you don't have a coding background do you think you need to have a coding program uh, background to help you understand how to deliver code or do you think it really can come down to everyone can code uh, so so yeah I think that's the polite way of saying I'm not in the coding world mind so thanks for that. Um, you're welcome buddy anytime man they're picking on you for jingles now they're going after you for coding yeah yeah Cass, the I think Cassie there's a spot opening up <laughs> uh, yeah do you know what I think twofold really I think it's for me it's a perfect opportunity to show my students that you don't have to know everything yeah. to be able to teach it yeah so we talk a lot about that aspect of, you know, how do you change your pedagogy to be one of, of facilitating learning rather than being an all knowledgeable person at the front and the safe space of saying, do you know what, I don't know, so let's learn together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But but also because it is all around problem solving and, and as we said before about creativity, I don't want to give them the answers to code. I can show them the scaffold of you know, this is the, the the main concepts. And that's, I think, where things like Swift Playgrounds come in and, and help yeah. me to understand the basics. But do, do I want to know more than that? Or would I rather the students find out for themselves and, and explore for themselves? Like I said, when when I let my students go, I could model. So I've got 30 <clears throat> students, or roughly about 30 students in, in a group um, as, as trainee teachers. And I could really model to them the concepts of differentiation and and a challenge and all of that in one lesson showing mm-hmm. the pedagogy of it through coding because i had one side of the room who was struggling to get the sphero to move from start to finish in a straight line yeah. and the other end of the room had moved on to assault courses and trying to get it to go up different material surfaces and and how did that impact on friction and all of these sorts of things now could i plan for a lesson like that not really because i didn't know what the outcomes were going to be for those learners um but when i just said for everyone to stop and you just model as a teacher my job here is observe challenge push ask questions yeah not watch me i'll tell you what to do when the next answer is this so everyone type it in and that's what i like uh, about the, it yeah because you come back yeah, to yeah. those life skills um that were mentioned earlier and as a teacher you get into that role of pushing them and asking them the right questions of okay so it's not working um what if um yeah. have you looked back at it um where can you find a mistake um, yeah, it's it's if you bring it down basic, uh, then it's it's following a, a Lego or an IKEA guide. If you yeah. if you skip a step, the whole thing might come down. Yeah. So then you have to go back, yeah. and mm-hmm. and if you can do those basic steps, I think you can you can get a, a long way. We have to get off the bandwagon of coding means that I have to make an app 
that's going to yeah. go into the store. For me, that's not what that yeah. means. That's one way of expressing code. Just that's a, one way. That's a kind yeah, of, yeah that's definitely. A, that's something to aim for. But as I've always said, like for me, what we're actually teaching isn't coding in the in the same sense that you're developing a program or a develop developing an app. What we're teaching in in schools when we're when we're going through that everyone can code is actually computational thinking. It's how to break down a problem. It's yeah. how to solve a problem. We are not teaching these kids how to code. We are giving them the skills that will help them when it approaches if they ever make that transition into full-fledged coding using languages. I, I think that's the problem, Mark, in, in schools, is that people put it across as it's coding, yes. but actually this is how to manage in everyday life with anything. Yeah. If you learn to drive a car, it's coding. You know, it's computational thinking. Yeah, what do I do? What's the yeah. sequence? When I was, I mean, I, I had to write a piece about this for our Ignite newsletter in, in um, the UK recently. Yeah. And I, I know I was a coding teacher for 12 years as a PE teacher because everything I taught a student to do in PE was code. You mm -hmm. know, it was how do you break down a skill into its small parts? Mm -hmm. And if you recreate it in the same order, you'll do the skill. If you miss something out, then it'll go wrong. Well, fundamentally, that is computational that's thinking. That's computational thinking. Now, yes. that's that's how you would approach a maths question. That's how you'd approach writing an essay. That's how you'd approach making um, something from IKEA. It's it's just following sequences. It's it's really not difficult. Um, and if and if it inspires you to want to make an app, then great, you've got the skill set. Yeah, exactly. If, if right. not, you've still learned a skill. You know, Bingo. it's, it's yeah. almost yeah. like music. Yeah, in music, you've got yeah. different flavors, different genres, and and an app is one of those. It's like the yeah. app is, is maybe like the hip hop or the R and B. Um, but what if you wanted to do disco or funk or pop? Exactly. So if you can look at it in that way, where we're coding, <clears throat> just app is a genre of coding. I think that's that's a really good way to put that. And one that's one way that you could have it. It's like an album or an EP. It's not it's not a full it's not a full fledged recording studio. It's one facet of it. But how you approach that, mm. guys, this is something yeah. that we could. Johan, have you got one last thing you want to say? Yeah, I just want to say it's a way of tackling life in in, yeah. in a sense. And what I liked about what Matt said is like it did it does it matter if you knew more you would take the same approach as a teacher anyway yeah, you wouldn't tell then, them more so but, but that's, that's a challenge thing, it's it's a really easy way to model that to my students because they know it's not my background because i'm quite open about those things so it's just a nice way to model it that i don't sure. genuinely know more here but the lesson is still going to happen um, and you're still going to learn even though it's not me telling you the answers yeah so it's the code of life. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I think it's another one of these topics that we could talk about for ages. But I like the fact that we've all got sort of four unique um, perspectives on what code looks like. But it all comes down to the fundamental. We agree that coding is a fundamental skill or computational thinking, sorry, is a fundamental skill. And I think the fact that it's called everyone can code is more about the fact that everyone can computational think doesn't have the yeah. same ring to it. You know, that's quite a long, that's quite a long winded way of saying it. It's everyone can code. Code. Not everyone can here, code. Here, Martin. Hey, and, and add to that, Martin, that um, everyone can code, um, meaning that Apple's made it accessible. So yes. they, they live by those standards. And, and I want to put the spotlight on that um, because that was that was like a little thing. And then they, um, they redid their curriculum, they making sure that, yeah, exactly, that it's accessible to all. And, and I think that's something to, to point out.
Um, yeah, I'm going to put a call. link. Yeah, I'm going to put a link to, in the in the show notes that links to Apple's Everyone Can Code page, and down the bottom you'll see that. And I think that's a, a really good point to make there, Kurt. That um, it's that they're that they're agreeing that it doesn't matter what you know learning uh, skill you have or what learning mm-hmm. um, need you have, you you get that same opportunity to code as everyone else. Brilliant. I think that's a great place uh, to leave that. Kurt, are you ready to recap America's for us? Oh, I'm ready. I've got yeah, all tell. kinds You're of uh, music for you to Ooh. see what was happening. It's almost like different kinds of ice Matt cream. Involved? Did we get Matt involved? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Max. Max, oh, I keep Max getting involved. that. Yeah. I don't Just, did so. you get the talent? No. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. After the EMEA chat and coding, and looking at how all the code fits together, we're going to have a look at how music fits all together and how the different flavors, just like Johan's ice cream, are there with everyone's music flavors. And talking about music flavors, I did not pick out just a tweet, but the whole conversation, because I was intrigued about it. Um, Holly Mercher called out, I know my students get agitated if I play my hash." Uh, uh, quote old people uh, music and um, are happy if I play like cool and new stuff. Um, she said that's where my research has led me, and then um, there was a whole discussion following on that, saying my students say that about my music, but by the end of the year they uh, know and love all my old people music too. And then Jody Deinheimer gave a good suggestion, um, which I think um, people could go and try out. Um, we make a class playlist on the first day of school and I let them add some songs to my playlist so we get a good mix. And sometimes I even have to filter their requests, though, um, <laughs> saying um, Urban Dictionary for the win. Um, and, and one guy said he's got a HomePod in his classroom and um, put the explicit filter on. So um, the students haven't figured that one out, but they can request music um, through Siri and have it play in the classroom um, I always liked having music on in the classroom as, yeah. as a backup. And if I, as I see how many um, students um, are, are studying in coffee shops, either with headphones on or just having that little white nose in, in the background, I can see the importance of music happening there. And um, that leads me into the questions for you guys. And, and I think from the different areas that I know you uh, come from, Martin, with your mathematical background, for instance, yeah. um, how do you think that music creation um, can be used when you're teaching mathematics? That's, a, that's something that I've, I've, I've started to look at over the past sort of couple of years. And it's been since the introduction of the beat sequencer in GarageBand. Mm-hmm. Um, which um, my my two, my, my own children, not my class children, and I uh, went to a Today Apple session that was all on the beat sequencing. And it was it was looking at how beats and drum beats can actually then help you understand fractions and sort of, you know, quarters and, or what Americans would call fourths. Um, but, you know, quarters and halves and then eighths, but also looking at how, a half beat or a you know clapping twice or then clapping every four times i think it helps uh, children understand how that all splits it down and that's a kind of a different approach to to take with it but just uh, going back to that sort of playlist um idea i mm-hmm. i used to have that as well i had a classroom playlist that i would start at the at the start of a year and 
uh, again, I would let the, the, the children add songs to it, but they used to laugh um, at some of the music I would put on, but then by the end of it, they would be tapping their feet. And because I, I dealt with secondary um, sort of high school kids, they were always a wee bit more into their music influenced me and my music influenced them, but we always had music playing. Um, what, was, some, what was a number on there that had to be on a Martin playlist? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, uh, to, to quote Deadpool, it had to be wham. It had to be wham uh, with uh, I'm Your Man. Um, you know, just it, it says a lot about my character, I think, more than anything else. Um, but I also had, I mean, I had things on there by, you know, like Band of Horses and Rogue Wave and uh, Lake Michigan was always a good one. That's That's got a nice sort of drum beat to it that helps. Mm -hmm. It's got a, a nice drum beat that then goes into the guitars and sort of kicks it in. But I think, I think by sort of listening to a beat and listening to how things sequence actually helps you know, to go back to our previous conversation, it helps pupils break things down and actually take things a step at a time. A song is built up a step at a time. It's built up with a, you know, it's built up with a ba with a bass track and then sort of takes it from there. So I think, you know, helping pupils understand that things outside of the equation that they're sitting writing uh, or solving or going through these types of things, actually seeing how their maths brain can influence their music brain and how the two of them can actually come together. It, it helps deepen those those connections and those understandings and helps them see the, the, the application of maths because that's where a lot of pupils fall down. They will sit and they will and they will learn how to answer a question in an exam. But you ask them to apply that knowledge, to apply that skill set somewhere yeah. else, they can't do it. So music allows them to take that chunk and break it into bite-sized bite uh, elements that they can then... Almost feels like you're talking about coding, yeah? Almost does, doesn't it? Same thing, yeah. same thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what's nice with the, with the beat sequencer. Um, and Mary Kemper, who was one of the, uh, the hosts of this chat, has a, uh, a lesson on um, recording a drum beat with that beat sequencer in Apple Teacher Learning Center. I don't know if you guys came across it, um, but the whole lesson is in there, um, how she uses um, a number pattern in geometry to construct a, a regular octagon, um, how to do that and find it in, in nature, um, taking it further. So um, using math and, and music all together. Nice. And I think you explained that beautifully, Martin. Um, Johan, um, I know music is a big part of, of your life. I mean, you're running another podcast um, that's music and dance influenced. Um, how do you see uh, music being in, like injected into the classroom um, in, in non-music um, subject areas? Ooh. Um, like how have you used I, it I, I, I still, still going to go with uh, what I think it's the most important thing. And I'll, as a dancer, I would say, thank you for the music. Because without, there is no dancing. And without so Abba, even, there is no Sweden. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would say is, um, even though you have a beat, uh, there's different ways you can dance a church of child because of what you have behind in the music. Mm -hmm. And that I lead into uh, emotion. And, and for me, when I um, try to do something in class, I always try to, I always say, um, for the heart and mind, yeah. and you need that heart part as well. And that music can be very, very um, useful. Uh, I did uh, together with my um, <clears throat> um, 
chemistry um, students uh, a, a lab, just a laboratory exercise, and then they filmed it, mm-hmm. and then they put music to it to highlight when it, something was happening and something weren't happening, just yeah. to elicit an emotion as you would have in a horror movie, if you think about it. So in a horror movie, you have the music that strengthens everything else. Yeah. So that's how I actually um, had a bit of fun with it. And that's just to elicit a, a feeling. And I think that's quite important in learning as well. So if you have music that you really like as you are learning something that would, mm-hmm. would strengthen the learning. But I just want to end off with um, a really cool, cool thing. I gave um, a couple of students um, an open subject in evolution. And a girl, she was doing a blog. Uh, so she was doing a blog post in mm-hmm. learning about how uh, sea-living mammals were evolving through time. And she was talking about seals, and she was talking about whales and things like that. And in every blog post, she posted um, what the music she was listening to. Oh, yeah. That's at, at the moment. So as I was reading that text, I was listening to the same music. Yeah, yeah, And that was yeah. really cool because then she was, she, and she chose it really well, uh, depending on the story. So my... That was a fantastic um, experience as I was um, also being with her in the moment as she was writing. That was quite cool. It was did it really... Give you a, did it give you an, uh, an insight into her thought process as she was Definitely. going through? Yeah. I mean, emotionally. Yeah. And, and we discussed it afterward and it was really cool. That was a brilliant idea. So it, it was really cool. I like that. No, it's good. Yeah. That's that's one of the things that came. Um, like the last question in the chat was about what what's your takeaway. Um, one of the things that kept coming back was like a book club with uh, with music and and yeah. history from a point of view. So you you kind of make music in that era. And I think the first thing in in learning music is trying to record your voice and maybe even manipulating it and taking those first steps and. I mean, Matt, you know all about taking the first steps in music and, and going through that. <laughs> so, well, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear all about that. I mean, we talked about first steps in coding. Um, it's not my week, is it? First steps in music. <laughs> it's really not, but it's not. <laughs> oh, come on! This was an easy one. I have no, song. but take, uh, going from the serious part, staying in the serious part. Um, uh, what have like? What can you tell us about that journey? Because a lot of people either consider themselves, oh, I can, I can relate to music. We all listen to music. So we all have a good, solid foundation. Um, we know what kind of music that we like and what we don't like. But once it gets to putting your finger on a piano or strumming a chord, then we're like, oh, I'm not musical. I'm yeah. not touching that. So yet you keep put, putting yourself out there every week. So can you talk a little bit about like what people would need to do to build that confidence and keep going? Uh, not have three friends that take the mick out of you each week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so pick different friends. Yeah, make different friends. Of More supportive friends. Yeah. Um, just have good friends. Just have good friends. Do, do you know what? It, I think it's just, it's just have a go. And I think for me, um, I listen to music 
and I love music, right? But uh, you, when you listen to music, you listen to the big, the whole big picture. Um, and it's when you when you actually break that, it goes back to coding again. When you break it down into smaller parts, you realize that each one of those individual parts makes that big song. And, you know, the Phil Collins of, of the world doesn't do doesn't do everything in one take it's it's the building of a drum beat and the building of a, a guitar riff and it's the lyric and it's all of those different elements that come together to make that great song and when you when you realize that and you you take it down to those small parts i mean i know I, i'm only really playing with jingles at the moment and and just trying to to understand that but i think when you just um you just go into like the the beat maker or something and then and then you put something over the top of that and it sounds a lot better and deeper and then you add something else in and you think oh and then you can hear that you're building music um from from tiny little origins i think that that's the way in and it's just have a play it's fun it's it's different and it's not you're not publishing this stuff <laughs> although mine gets aired every single week on on this podcast but it's, yeah we're looking forward to christmas yeah, yeah. um it's just it's just that idea that you're just building something from nothing and it's yours and it's very personal and um on, on a slightly other note from that i think the power of music for memory is is such a, a useful tool um you know in terms of we 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 know the lyrics to probably hundreds of songs but we probably never sat down and learned those lyrics you know so there's something in there where music is such a powerful learning tool even if it is a background learning tool because we will learn stuff and i think i think it's probably coming to the forefront now in education where people are starting to really realize probably what music teachers have been saying to us for for decades that you know music is a really powerful learning aid in the classroom yeah yeah, and I think things like GarageBand have made it easier because yeah. I remember I had to learn how to play a f- flute um, and I was totally not interested in, in that, but it was affordable and it was that's what we got. And then it stopped after middle school, yeah. so we never touched music anymore. Um, where talking about music and how it helped me is when I was studying for my exams, I put music on and during the exam, I would hear the music in my head and I yeah. could see the pages go before me and yeah. I knew exactly where the answer I'm, was. I'm exactly the same. So yeah. I even sung Yellow Submarine on my English exam to get the words right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, that's, that's how it helped me. And I wanted to, to finish off with a little um, story of a fifth grader that I, uh, that I met in Washington, um, a girl with um, some learning um, challenges. And um, people were like, I'm not really connecting with her. And, and she walks up to me and asks me about my favorite app and if she could show hers. And it was GarageBand and what she did. And you might have heard the story before about um, she does a loop wizard battle. And because GarageBand made it so easy and has the life loops in it and, and, and the Apple predefined um, like music gallery in it, and it keeps updating it, what they do is during their playtime between the lessons, um, they, they huddle up together um, and then they challenge each other. So they would have to make a beat in one minute. Um, they play it to each other and then use a decibel meter um, to see the, the one that gets the crowd most excited is the winner of um, playtime. And then that <laughs> continues three times a day. And I thought it was so beautiful um, to have something happen like that. And they don't mind. I mean, you might lose three times. You didn't lose. You got three songs in the end, 
Um, you got people to feel something about it. And that's yeah. exactly, Matt, what you do with your jingles for us. We are genuinely excited every <laughs> single week to see what's happening. And I'm at the tip of my uh, chair over here to hear what's coming right after this break. I can't wait. Thank you, guys. Thanks. <clears throat> Went a bit wrong at the end, but <laughs> that's hey, that's what Questions happens when you perform live. Really Matt, well, mate. Round of applause for <laughs> doing that one live. Full well of done. sarcasm, that's guts, buddy. It means nothing to me. Max, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Night, <Well>, Max. <laughs> Max wasn't even in the room. Okay, so that was all me, which is probably why it went wrong at the end. <laughs> So he was in another room through the Sono speaker. Yes. <laughs> no, it's that collaboration through Bluetooth. That oh. got set up. Right, let's go back to that last section where we said about how it's really good that people are supportive. Uh, yeah. That's definitely what you need when it comes to making music. But you Full also support the Max from these guys that wear properly. Now, if we're, if we're not honest with you, how will you grow each week? Uh, I, I, don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It sounded very Tomorrowland. No, I like that. It, it kind of fits in with our uh, JPL um, yeah. sketch that we play at the end of the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's if all... I can, if I can give you one feedback, and I'm going to be to- <laughs> totally honest, totally honest. Never, ever, ever say you made a mistake in the end. That's what a media coach once said to me. Because you yeah. are the only one who knows the mistake. So if you made a mistake, then this is for all listeners. Never call out your mistake. No one else knows it but you. And it's also, like when don't you're tell us you made a mistake. That's the, the we're the three worst guys. To... <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Welcome to uh, questions with Matt. Uh, the the serious element of the jingle uh, creation part. Uh, this week we have a question from Owen Hughes. So let's take a listen to that now. Hi guys, it's Owen Hughes here. Um, we just had a really great um, after-school workshop today, all about inclusion and stretching learning with students, uh, with ideas particularly relating to universal design for learning. So my question for you is, what role can technology play in the classroom to support this, to help teachers to be more inclusive teachers and to support more of our learners and recognise their differences? Um, keep up the great work and the show is going great. Um, look forward to listening to it every week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Okay, great. So, uh, great. Always great to hear from Owen. Um, you know, big supporter of the show, always has been. So, guys, the question then, what role does technology play in the classroom to support universal design for learning and inclusive practice? That's a that's a big one, um, but, a, you know, a big deal. And I know we're all, you know, passionate about that universal design element. Yep. So, uh, Kurt, I'm going to chuck it over to you first. What's, right. um, what, what, what's the importance of universal design for you? Well, I, I can't tackle a project without thinking in all senses. So I'm trying to reach them all. Um, and once you cover those bases, so if you make something very visual, um, then you have to think about people with low vision or um, blindness. Um, but if you covered the hearing part of it, then you've, you've got that base covered. So um, I think technology only makes it easier in that way to, to incorporate that. 
is it is through live titles in, in clips or uploading your video into um, YouTube and then having auto uh, closed captioning on using Final Cut if you're you're withy with it and, and get closed captioning in that um, audio descriptions on your pictures. It's small things, but it helps people um, on all levels. Uh, we need to stop thinking about exceptions because yeah. um, you do this and someone else within language learning will benefit from it. If I see, I mean, at least Johan and I, um, English is not our first language. Um, so getting exposed to English is, is very crucial that we see subtitles. And I still, um, with my wife now, joke about it when we go to a movie theater and I walk into the movie theater, I'm like, where's the subtitles? <laughs> and even she will say it because we're so used to having them on. When I was in Italy, they said learning English has, has grown exponentially because of Netflix, because they can turn the subtitles on. So, and this has nothing to do with what you want to call a disability. Um, yeah. It's all about yeah. accessing all abilities. So trying to think about, is the button big enough? Um, what icons are there? Consistency, labeling it, subtitling it making sure that if you're using contrast, and I mean, working with Greg Alkin, who's, who's another ADE, um, I learned a lot about spacing and font type and working with Luis, I learned about contrast that if you're designing on a white background, don't use a subtle yellow. It's even hard for someone with no visual um, problems to, to like decipher that. Um, so just being aware of that, it's enormous. And technology only helps with that, I think. And I think it, it kind of simplifies that whole differentiation process, doesn't it? Because I think some people overcomplicate differentiation where they, they, they're they kind of calling out groups of learners. And, well, I'm going to create this worksheet for you because you need this. And I'm going to do this for you because you need this. And actually, if you just think about that from a design point of view in the first place, yeah, then everybody can have the same worksheet because you've just designed it in a way where everybody can access it and i'm not and it isolates you yeah yeah it, yeah because uh, if we're on a creative team say we're on a creative team you don't want all good brainstormers to be on one team because yeah. all that will happen is you'll get a lot of ideas but no one would get anything done yeah. yet in a classroom we're trying to get all the slow readers with the slow readers and all the quick readers with the quick readers yeah yeah, yeah? and theory has proved that if you mix them that they will learn from each other and they will grow and you can put them in different roles and as teachers exactly. you, you do this yet sometimes we go too far in categorizing and putting labels on people and so, yes sometimes mm. i think that's about making it easier for the teacher yeah. if i'm, if I'm going to yeah learned. i think I so, it's the pressure from exactly curriculum yeah. probably yeah yes yeah. martin go on you, you you like you're chomping at the bit to add to this yeah list. it's just I'm, I'm 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 hearing just the um you know the fact that we don't want people to be feeling isolated and i think one of the ways that people feel isolated is if their learning need is um highlighted if they are shown that they are they are different from everyone else they already know they're different from from everyone else and i'm saying this as someone who developed a disability um in their 30s um, so i i wasn't born with the with the the mobility issues i have i i developed them after after um circumstances and i now know that i'm different um and i don't need that highlighted i think anything that that highlights a difference that that, that a person has it just um, 
you know, their mental well-being just goes right down. And I think the fact that tools like Apple Classroom allow us to discreetly send additional work to pupils who may have additional support needs without it being highlighted that little Johnny in the class needs an additional worksheet or needs a worksheet that is differently coloured from everybody else. You know, talking about your point there, Matt, where I can send him something. I can have him in a in a section on my on my Classroom app that I know that if he needs additional help, I can do a quick tap to send it to them and without everybody in the class knowing that he's got an additional worksheet or he's got an additional aid or he's got an additional visual aid um, prompt, whatever he needs. So being able to, you know, and you said it before as well, Kurt, about everyone can code. And, and it does mean everyone. It's making sure that everyone has access to those materials regardless of what they need, but also have those materials adapted to meet their uh, particular need, whether they have a visual an issue, uh, a, a visual issue, a hearing issue, a mobility issue, or just a, a, a learning issue um, that, that some people have. I think if, if, they are, if that is highlighted, their mental health goes right down. So technology just removes that barrier to it, if you like, and allows them to get the help they need without drawing attention to it. Spot on. Johan, do you want to jump in and add anything there? I know, you know, Universal Design is something that you've spoke about before, but anything you want to add to the discussion? No, not really, Matt. I think you said it uh, really well. Um, I just want to say um, maybe it's an it's a, uh, an anecdote or what do you say? Um, you say reaching all learners. Don't You don't say reaching different learners. So I think inclusion is uh, important in this, and that's just the thing that I wanted to add. No, and I think I think, I think that's good, Johan, and I think what that picks up is is kind of broader than that accessibility because there's an impact here on self-esteem for children as well, um, and yeah. not just children, learners of any age. I think when, like Martin said, if they get singled out as being different, there's an impact on self-esteem. And I think there's there's a an opportunity here for learners of, of all different abilities, no matter what they are, to, to have that opportunity to shine. And that can have a huge and um, very profound effect on, on their self-esteem in the whole learning process. Um, I think we've probably all seen that child in the class who has been a bit of a forgotten child who, when given a, a different way to access learning, can, can really shine and you, you see a huge impact. So, you know, I think the the message we'd all send out is is just to urge people to just think differently about what they're doing in their classroom and and how utilizing um, a, a universal design approach can can probably really support learners in a way that you've never really realised. Guys, um, a great a great question session again, and, and great to hear your thoughts on things. And if people want to leave us any questions, uh, hashtag questions with Matt and Martin will tell us a little bit later on how you can call into the show to leave your live question. Perfect. Thanks, Matt. Right. Let's bring this show to a close just after this little noise. Here we go, guys. It's time to close out the show. Um, these chats always, I, I always feel that these chats can go much, much longer. Um, and I, I think if we had a, I, I sometimes feel that we should do like a podcast-a-thon where we just talk for as long as we can and see how long it will go. But I don't know if it, many people It's only your in. mother that would listen to it. Oh, no, she's, uh, she's, she's given up. She's, uh, she's oh. told me it's, it's, it's too long for her. 
Oh. Um, so she's done. We've lost her as a listener. I'm sorry. Um, we do it. My children. My children listen to it. So oh. got that. So, which is good. But um, yeah, speaking of listeners and what they can hear next week, Kurt, why don't we tell everyone what's coming up with next week's chats? So next week's chat, as you mentioned, beginning of the podcast, is another one on uh, coding called Concepts in Code, um, and that's hosted by Michael O'Kane and Alice Nutt. Um, that's going to be Tuesday, October 15 at 8 p.m. BST. And then the Americas chat is Level Up Classroom Tips and Tricks. And that's Felicity Tripto and um, Shayla Fortenberry. And that's on October 15 at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And I think what we need to we need to mention that the questions for both of those chats are now um, put up onto Apple Teacher a week in advance, aren't they? So you can now correct you don't depending get a on what part. area you're in. Yeah, um, so that's quite good that you can get a chance. Johan, if people are wanting to uh, do a little bit more with the show and get interactive, how can they? How can they do that? Yeah, they can definitely um, uh, find us on Twitter uh, at Last Recap. And uh, personally, we can find each other on Twitter. And where can you find you, uh, Martin? I'm at mcoots, C-O-U-T-T-S, 81. Matt? Uh, I am Matt, 6453. And uh, Mr. Uh, Kurt? M-W-E-S-T-E-R-K-U-R-T. Oh, brilliant. And you can find me at Anderson, double S, underscore E-D-U. And... uh, I would like to say thank you for downloading this podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review us. Listeners' comments and ratings keep us high in the ranking so that new listeners can find us. Be sure to find us at Last Recap on Twitter for more news and podcasts. And if you want to ask a question for Matt, how do you do that, Martin? Yeah, as Matt said, you can use the hashtag questions with Matt, or if you're listening uh, to us via Apple Podcasts, just quit that app and go into the Anchor one, uh, where you can find us as Last Recap. You can leave a message as if you were actually leaving us a voice message, as if you were calling in, and we might feature you in the show the same way that Owen was featured this week. Guys, great chat this week. A pleasure as always. As I say, these things go by really, really quickly, but it doesn't feel like it. Um, Matt, why don't you say bye-bye to everyone? Thanks very much for your time this week. Bye-bye, everyone. Uh, Johan, you've uh, closed out the show nicely. Why don't you say bye-bye? Hey, allihopa. Hare bra. Yes. And Kurt? <laughs> and for me, it's tot scenes and tot following the week. Okay, and I suppose I better do this in Scottish and just sort of say, cheerio, I'll see you all later. Yes, thank you very much for listening, guys. We will see you all next week. Take care.